The Westminster Shorter Catechism asks the question, what is the chief end of man? Question number one. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. What a word. Man's chief end. Bring glory to God and enjoy him forever. Today we continue thinking through this thought of living for God's glory and specifically talking about bearing fruit. Producing fruit in our life brings God glory. So take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, we're going to pick up in verse number 1 and read down through verse number 10. Pay special attention to verse number 8. John chapter 15, pick up in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. Because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you... Ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this. Here's verse 8. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands. And remain in his love. And with that, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word and your truth. And speak to us today. Lord, help us to bear fruit. Ultimately, to bring you honor and glory. In your name. Amen. As we pick up the context of John 15, we find that from John 13 to John 17, or 16 actually, Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. John 17 is the high priestly prayer that he prays and ultimately then is betrayed. This is the last night that Jesus would be with his disciples. This is his last time with them. These are final words and we're getting to the final section of the final words. And Jesus gives a visible picture of what every person in the first century would have understood. There is a gardener, there is a vine, and there are branches. Here, he makes it very clear in verse number one that the gardener is God, that he is the vine, John 15, 1, and down in verse number five, Jesus says, I am the vine, and that we as believers are the branches. In John 15, 5, I am the true vine, and you are the branches. So the picture is, is that as we're connected and attached to Jesus, verse number eight calls out that we will ultimately produce 
fruit. Now, as we look again at verse number eight, we really see the big idea of what we're thinking about when we think about living for God's glory. Because it says this, my father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit. God is glorified when we produce fruit. God's glorified when we produce fruit. That's what Jesus is talking to the disciples about right in this section, makes it very clear for us. Now we're thinking about bringing and living a life that brings glory to God. In 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for God's glory. So our life, no matter what we are doing, is to be about bringing glory to God. Now, So far, we have looked at two ways that we can bring glory to God. Now, we're supposed to bring glory to God in everything that we do, whether we're eating, drinking, we're in our neighborhood, we're at school, we're at work, no matter what we're doing, we're to bring glory to God. But he, the scripture does give us some specific clues on ways that we know will bring glory to God. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 tells us that when we confess Jesus as Lord, we do that to the glory of God the Father. So that confessing Jesus and professing Jesus as Lord brings glory to God. We also know that when we are living a life of faith, we looked at Abraham last Sunday, Romans chapter 4 and verse number 20, that Abraham being strengthened in his faith, gave glory to God so that when we live a life by faith, we ultimately bring glory to God. Now, this is the third way that we're seeing specifically that we how we can bring glory to God. We want to confess Jesus as Lord. We want to live a life of faith. But also, Jesus tells us that when we produce spiritual fruit, we do that to the glory of God. That's what living for God's glory is all about. The chief end of man is to glorify God. That our life is not made up of just living for self, getting our kids through preschool, elementary, high school, college, getting them a degree, getting them out of the house, and then kicking back and enjoying our midlife and our retirement life. That's that's not the purpose of your life. That God has a plan for us to make an eternal difference in the life of others, but ultimately to bring honor and glory to him no matter what we do, because he's worthy to be glorified. So what we find in this passage is that Jesus is unfolding the truth that when we produce fruit, we bring him glory. But I think there's two keys that we have to understand as we move forward in in our text this morning. The first is this. Remaining in Christ is the key to producing fruit. Remaining in Christ is the key to producing fruit. If we're going to produce fruit in our life, remember, the Father's the gardener, Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. So Jesus is the one who brings sustenance. He's the one who gives us the nutrition. He's the one who meets the needs so that the branch can ultimately be fruitful. Notice back with me in John chapter 15 and verse number 4. Notice what he says. Remain 
in me or abide in me, some of your Bibles may read. And, uh, and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit itself unless it remains on the vine. The, the branch can't produce fruit on its own. It has to be attached to the vine. You know this. Jesus is not speaking in some great theological double talk that we don't understand. We know what this means. We know that if we're going to bear fruit, that we have to stay close to Jesus. We have to abide in him. Years ago when we lived in Mississippi, I had a tree branch that was hanging over uh, the fence, but it was hindering me when I was trying to cut the grass. And so I... Uh, did not want to call somebody. I just felt like, oh, I don't want to bother anybody. So I had a handsaw and thought, I'm just going to go attack this branch with a handsaw. Well, I started attacking that branch, and that branch started going, started going, but it, I wore out before the branch did, all right? So, so anyway, so the branch is about three-quarters of the way through, and now it's hanging down a little bit lower, and I thought, I'm stopping. I'll get to it later. I'll let it sit for a few days and then I'll come back when my strength is back and cut the rest of that thing. And something amazing happened over the next couple of days. All the leaves that were green on that branch began to yellow and crinkle. And in just a few days, all of the leaves were gone. And then I sawed through the rest of the branch and then the whole branch was gone. But what happened? I disrupted the connection. And when the connection was disrupted, then there was no sustenance to allow the leaves to grow and to green. And Jesus is saying the same thing here. See, we can do a lot of things in our strength and in our flesh, but we can't produce spiritual things that way. Those are things of the spirit. And we have to be in contact with Jesus in order to do that. So what's the key? How do we go about remaining in Christ? Well, I think he gives us two keys on how to do that. First off, as believers, we're called to live in God's word. Notice down in verse number seven. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it'll be done for you. My father's glorified when you produce much fruit. So we live in God's word. That means that we're staying connected and close because we're constantly in fellowship with God. His word is constantly moving and working. It's God's word hidden in my heart that I might not sin against him, but more than that, God's word hidden in my heart that I may feel a fellowship and abide with him. When we think about God's word, think of it this way. Think of God's word as the nourishment. In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus would say when he was tempted, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That we might live physically without the word of God, but we will not thrive spiritually. We've got to have the word of God. It's going to provide nourishment for us. One of the ways that we bring glory to God is through faith. We learned that in Romans 4, 20. But Romans 10, 17 says this, 
that, that as we think about God's word, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. So if I'm going to have faith in my life, this faith is going to come as I recognize who God is and stay connected to him through the word. I'm living in God's word. We think about our life of faith. We think about our life of connection and bearing fruit. We think about our relationship. I mean, just think about the general relationship. The, when you're in a relationship with someone, you speak with them, you talk with them, you interact with them. And Jesus is saying, my words need to remain in you, to abide in you. They need to be stuck close into your heart so that you can produce spiritual fruit. I mean, he makes it very clear in verse number seven. You remain in me and my words remain in you. Some of you need a mind shift. You, you, you are thinking the wrong things. You're constantly, your mind is constantly moving the wrong direction. And in Romans 12, 2, it tells us, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? We renew our mind in Scripture. Scripture is essential for our spiritual life, our spiritual growth, for our spiritual production of fruit. Now, I would, get, I would dare to say that many of you have multiple English Bibles. That if you went into your home today, lots of you have lots of versions. So I preach out of the CSB for years. I preached out of the New King James. You know, my first Bibles when I was a child, I still have one or two. One was a King James Schofield Bible. Did you have one of them? All right. Uh, many of us grew up years ago in the 60s and the 70s and had that. So, so we look and we have all of these English translations. The problem that we often encounter is not necessarily what translation you're using, but are you reading what you got? Do you realize the cost of having an English Bible? Did you know that our English Bible is less than 500 years old? There's a man named William Tyndale who was born probably mid-1490s. He was a very scholarly student as a young middle school age. He was sent to Oxford, spent 10 years there, later went to Cambridge, but he had one passion in his life. Translate the Bible into English, from the Greek to English. He was a master of languages. He was fluent in eight different languages. And as he's fluent in eight different languages, and he is now working to translate the Bible, what we find is in 1523, 500 years ago, he goes to Bishop Turnstall, who is the Bishop of London, because he wants to translate the Bible, and the Bishop tells him, no, you can't do that. Matter of fact, you can't can't only not do that, but it is absolutely illegal if you do that. So this is what that man does. 1524, 500 years ago, he makes a decision. He is not going to marry. He makes a decision. He is going underground. He goes to Germany. And for the next years, he begins to translate from Greek into English the Bible. 1524, 500 years ago, right now, 
He's beginning on this Greek translation into the English. Why? Because he wanted the Bible in the hands of the English-speaking people of England. He, he wanted the Bible in their hands. Their mass was in Latin. They didn't understand it. They couldn't read it. He wanted the English Bible in their hands. He wanted the, the boy who was pulling the, uh, riding the, the plow to be able to read God's word. 1526, he begins to print the English New Testament. He hides it in cotton bales and sends it to England. Bishop Turnstall finds about it. He tries to buy every one of them and burn them. What he doesn't know is he buys them. He's supporting Tyndale to get the printing presses going and more and more Bibles are printed. And more and more Bibles. And the people are hungry they are so hungry for a Bible in the English language that they could read. Ultimately, after about a dozen years on the run, hiding, having his printing press stormed and him running out with just the manuscripts that he has, he's caught. He's thrown into prison for 17, 18 months. And ultimately, they strangle him with a steel cable and then burn him at the stake. 1536, his last prayer in 1536. This is the guy that translated the Greek Bible into English. Oh, Lord, open the eyes of the king of England. Henry VIII, Pope Leo X was ruling over the Catholic Church. Bishop Turnstall was over London at that time. Matter of fact, I read or heard somewhere that they put gunpowder around uh, the, the bottom of the stake where he was burned at so he would be blown into bits. Can I tell you, your English Bible, it cost a lot. And there were others along the way, printers who risked their life. So I would tell you today, don't take this for granted. Remain in the word. But not only are we called to live in God's word, but we're also called to live in God's Love. Notice down in verse number 9. In John chapter 15 and verse number 9, it says, As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Live in God's love. How do we do that? Well, to know him is to love him. I mean, if you really want to know him... To know him, not just know about him, just not know some Bible stories, but to know him. To know him is to love him. And listen, to love him is to trust him. And that's why he says here, remain in my love and be obedient to my commands. Jesus has just said in John 14, 15, just one chapter earlier, if you love me, keep my commands. There is this sense in which we walk in humility and reverence and awe and relationship and obedience. We live in God's word. Remaining in Christ is the key to producing fruit. But there's a second truth in here that I want to drive home to you today. Producing fruit is the key to glorifying God. Producing fruit is the key to glorifying God. That's what verse number eight is all about. Verse number eight, where it tells us, my father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit. God wants us to bear fruit, but not just bear fruit. Lord, I'll give you an apple or an orange. 
No, I want you to produce much. I want you to make a difference. And listen, fruit's just not for us. The fruit is for the benefit of others. So quickly, I want us to walk through some of the pictures of fruit in Scripture as we see what does God want to produce in our life? What does God want to do? How does God want to work in us so that he can work through us so that we can glorify him and bless others? So first off, as we think about fruit, as believers, we're called to bear fruit. The type of fruit that we should bear first is Christ-like character. Christ-like character. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 22 and 23. Most of you probably know these verses. It says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self Control. The law is not against such things. That God wants to work in you and through you so that you will be a person who is more like Jesus, conformed to the image of Christ, bearing the characters and characteristics of Christ in your life so that love and joy and peace all come to be. The second fruit is the fruit of praise. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 15 says this, Therefore, through him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, that is, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Praise. But there is a praise and a proclamation That we declare that Jesus is Lord and we confess his name. God wants you to have the fruit of confessing and professing and praising. And even when things don't go your way, even when... Work life is hard and family life is hard and financial life is hard. It's choosing to say, I am connected to Jesus in this. He is the Lord of my life. And now through his strength and his vitality empowering me, I can be a person of praise no matter what. Third, the fruit of good works. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 10 Paul is praying for the church in Colossae. And he says, So that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. That we bear fruit by doing good works. That's why we were created and that's why we were saved. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has already planned or prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 5.16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We should be people of good works and good deeds and good character and good praise. That should be the marks of our life. Let me ask, are you just cognizant of people around you? Just in daily life. I mean, that mom who's juggling three kids and trying to push out the cart at the grocery store. 
I guess because I know that Julie's been there a lot of times without me, a lot of times I'll, I'll say, look, you can load your groceries. I'm going to stand back this far. I'm going to stand back here. You can put your kids in the car, and when you're done with your cart, just give it a push, and I'll take it back for you. That way she don't have to leave those babies just across the, to cross the way. It's just, just kind of being aware. What about that waitress? Some of you are going to go to lunch today. And I still am under the conviction that if you're going to go out to eat in these days, you need to be filled with the Spirit. All right? Service can be slow. Everybody's still. I mean, there's just challenges in, in the world today. And so I tell you, a good work would be being kind. A good work would be not leaving everything around you a big mess. A good work might be a good tip which is the next thing that we're going to talk about, and that's the fruit of generosity. Chapter 15 of Romans. Romans chapter 15. In verse number 25, Paul is writing to the church at Rome and talking about a contribution that is made for the poor believers that are in Jerusalem. And he says this in Romans fifteen twenty-five. Right now I am traveling to Jerusalem to serve the saints... Because Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Yes, they were pleased and indeed are indebted to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual benefits, then they are obligated to minister to them in material needs. In other words, the gospel came through the Jewish people. So we need to be mindful to be a blessing to the Jewish people. That's what Paul is saying. He says in verse number 28, So when I have finished this and safely delivered the funds to them. Now, if you have a CSB, it says funds, but down in the margin, it says fruit. I have delivered the fruit to them. And that's the the real Greek word. They translated this to make it easy for us to understand. He's talking about money. He's not talking about, you know, he's got a bushel basket full of apples and oranges here. The truth is, as Paul said, I have collected and now I am delivering fruit. Do you know, I, I just want to ed- encourage you today. Many of you are, are givers and you show the fruit of the Spirit and your connection to Christ through your generosity. When, when you think about our church, and sometimes we don't say this enough, You know, Stan just gave me the sheets of our missions giving from 2016 to 2023. Eight years. You know that we invested about $2.75 million in missions. $2.75 million. You can go all the way back to 2020 and find that there's been over $7 million that has been invested in the cause of missions. Listen, that's part of who we are. And this is part of how we show the fruit of the Spirit in our life. When we are connected to Him, we don't want to be a sponge. We want to be a funnel that says, Lord, we want to bear fruit for the blessing of others, for the encouragement of others. Lord, help us, help us. Whether we're delivering food boxes or handing out food boxes, which we'll do tomorrow, or we're, we're going across the sea, which we'll do later this year. What we find is, is that there is a sense of generosity in sharing the gospel with others. And then the last fruit, I think there are other places we could go. 
But the last one is in John chapter 4, and that is sharing Christ. Sharing Christ. There is a spiritual fruit that, that is involved as we think about sharing the gospel message. In John 4, 34, Jesus would say, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Man, I want to do what God called me to do. And my, I'm not just running, but I'm running to finish. I want to do God's will to the finish. And then he tells his disciples, Jesus told them, don't say there are four months and then the harvest comes. Listen, I'm telling you, open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ready for harvest. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. What's he saying? There are some people who are going to, in someone's life, they may, you know, dig up some hard ground and there are other people who may plant some seeds and there may be some other people who water those seeds. And then there may be that person that when someone is with them that they open up their heart and life to Christ but all of those people had a part in sharing the gospel message and he's saying look we are receiving pay we are gathering fruit and the sower the one who planted seeds and the one who watered and the reaper together they're going to have their reward the fruit has been born that's the picture that's the picture God calls us to be people who produce fruit. But ultimately, the production of the fruit is to the glory of who he is. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And one of the ways that we bring glory to God is we remain in him. That's our job. So that we can produce fruit. And then as God brings that production of fruit, he gets the glory. Can I tell you what your job is? Remain in Christ. Remain in Christ. Choose to live in the spirit. Choose to be a person of Christ-like character and praise. Choose to tap into the Lord and say, Lord, are there good works? I'm attached to you. Are there good works? Is there generosity? Lord, who are the people that I need to share with today? Man's chief end. Glorify God. And you know, when we're more interested in bringing glory to him than just living our life, then we'll find We'll enjoy him now, and we'll enjoy him forever. With that, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth in it. Father, may we be people who bear fruit to the glory of God. And Lord, we understand that our, our main position here, the, the place we're to be is just remain, abide in you. So Lord, for anyone who feels disconnected from you today, maybe disconnected because they've never received Jesus in their life. Lord, I pray that you would open up their heart to the truth that because of our sinfulness, we're separated from you and our only hope is salvation. Lord, we recognize we've spoken to believers today and our position is to be in the word and to be in the Lord, walking in love and obedience. So, Lord, if there's someone that you are touching today, someone you're speaking to, someone whose 
left your word unread, left your commands by the side and they are disobeyed. Draw them to yourself. In Jesus' name.